0: Hey everyone, you're listening to Something Real. Not going to give a super huge introduction today because this is honestly one of our longest episodes, but I think it's well worth it. Um, I know I was a little nervous going into today's episode to, to talk about some of the things that we were going to dive into, but again, I think it's well worth it and these are the kind of things that we need to be discussing and, and discussing them from a biblical standpoint. And so we're focusing on Romans 1 within this discussion today. So enjoy!
1: So yesterday we had a a meeting of the pastors here at at our church for our local ministerial association, and I, uh, as the host, you know, kind of provide refreshments. So I broke out the almond windmill cookies because those were my Sunday school cookies when I was a kid, and I was feeling nostalgic, so I went back. And as I did that, it kind of um, just reminded me of how easy it is for us to... Uh, to look back in the past and say, well, "Wow, that's that's the good old days," you know. Right. And the older we get, the the better those days were. It seems like the you can't eat behind.
0: as many
1: cookies anymore. Uh, speak for yourself, <laughs> lady. I don't know. <laughs> I might not handle it as well, but I can still put them down. <laughs> yeah, that's Sorry. Anyhow, but that's what kind of um, was making me think. Of, you know, as we're doing this, I look back on on those days. I'm like, "Wow, it was such a such a great thing." You know, as I look back to the good old days. And songs are in my head, and um, cookies are in my mouth, <laughs> and I hear that kind of talk all the time about how much our world has changed, and clearly it has. And just the the sheer amount of information that we have in our day, and and we, researchers tell us that you know the information doubles you know over a period of time, and it's like what used to take a hundred years for information to double is now doubling in weeks, you know, or right. days. Just an insane amount of. Rapid change, and we observe that in our culture, and we see so much, uh, so much shift, cultural shift, as uh, all of the the moral and social and ethical rules either have changed or have just gone away completely, or are being flipped on their ear and, and attacked. What used to be considered ethical and moral is now considered to be offensive and terrible. And it can be discouraging. It can be very overwhelming for us.
0: Well, (laughs) that's an understatement. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, like you were talking about, the amount of... It feels even weird to call it information. Mm -hmm. Um, The amount of change that occurs so quickly nowadays can make your head spin. And something that uh, may have been okay to discuss with somebody a week ago is not okay now right yeah <laughs> um
1: oh yeah for sure <laughs> i mean even like the type of counseling that we right. do you know our, our church has only been in existence for for almost 15 years and what at the time in 2003 the way the things that i was talking to people about the, the way that, that we counsel people so much different than today mm-hmm. just that short period of time later because the dynamic of people has changed the way we think the way we process truth is different
0: without even really realizing it really
1: absolutely <laughs> i mean even looking at something is as, as simple and basic and it kind of comes back a little bit to what we're talking about in our in our uh, chapter today when president obama became president not that long ago mm-hmm. uh, he absolutely affirmed traditional marriage traditional family he was uh, completely in favor of that, mm-hmm. and within four years, completely did a one hundred and eighty right. and shifted. And I don't know whether I don't know whether he had some epiphany or revelation that changed his mind. Well, I don't know. I didn't talk to him about it, but uh, he didn't answer my call when, when I tried to ask him. But well, but. The society had changed. So we went from like 70% of of people in America being opposed to same-sex marriage to about 70% of people saying that they were in favor of Mm -hmm. same-sex marriage in a very short window of time. That sort of upheaval, cultural upheaval, just didn't happen that quickly throughout the rest of history. It happens now much much more rapidly than what we've ever seen. And a big chunk of that is things like the internet and, and the the, um, the huge influx of data, of information, of just just bits of thought that we get bombarded with all the time, and it it shifts quickly, and yet the dynamics aren't really different. I mean, the things that we're talking about are. There's nothing new about it. When we're talking about LGBTQ issues or whatever the the next letter is. Uh, you know, I just got used to one, and then they had another. They one. added a plus.
0: Yeah, so know, there's just...
1: a plus. You know, which is a lot safer. <laughs> I know. Now, I'm, now you don't have to think about it. So as you're going through these things, you know, it's that's not a new issue. Right. I mean, homosexuality has been around since Genesis. Right. Sexual norms have been. You know that's not that's not a new thing to see people living in sexual immorality in a variety of ways. Again, that's been happening since Genesis, but the shifts that we see happen so quickly now. Uh, and so Paul talks about this stuff in the book of Romans, and and really throughout his letters, he talks about what the end times will look like. In the last days, you'll have people who are like this, and really, what he's describing is the human condition, but. You know elevated so as we go along, it's not an ontological change. the essence isn't different. it's the same as it was when we got banished from Eden, but it's progressed. sin is a progressive disease, and we see it continue to to grow and to become more and more pervasive in a society and every time that that happens in individual societies, we see those societies eventually collapse under the weight of it the the Roman Empire didn't you know didn't uh Collapsed because of the invasion uh, from outsiders. It collapsed because it rotted from within, and and that same thing will inevitably happen to the United States of America unless there's some intervention to the world. To the, and yeah. it, it, we do see it overall. It will happen to the world right. at large on on God's timeline, not on ours. Right. And really, that's what Paul's talking about in Romans one. <clears throat> Excuse me. Is not
0: uh, he's
1: not talking about. Um, these things within israel he's not talking about these things within rome or within the church or or in a pocket he's talking about big picture stuff that this is what happens to people to the human race because we've chosen to exchange the reality of god for cheap imitations and when we do that it dulls our minds it darkens our thoughts uh it, it it Perverts, if I can use a word that's sort of out of vogue, I guess, and, and really even when it's used, it's not used rightly. It it perverts, it distorts, it corrupts our hearts, so that the things that we think and we do and we say and we teach and approve um, don't match up with reality or what we would have. Uh, seen as good and bad just a short time ago not that that was always reality right. but those if it doesn't match up with reality and it doesn't match up with our history then we see a turmoil that goes on uh, over and over again and that that creates a ripple effect not only for us as a race and not only for us as individuals but in between there for individual societies such as the United States of America where we live there is a there's an impact on that society from not having shared values. Regardless of whether they're godly values or not, a democracy in particular is untenable without a shared set of values. Mm -hmm. So in the United States, we've always valued diversity from the beginning. It was written into our founding documents. We didn't always do that right. We didn't always get uh, get it down the right way. But we have always believed in things like freedom of speech, that freedom of thought that comes from that. That's what that's rooted in. And so the diversity, the melting pot nature of who we are um, kind of calls for that. But even in that, we always had a shared sense at a, at a base level, at a foundational root level of decency and what is right and wrong. And while you might not believe in... Uh, the god of the bible as i do you might not believe in jesus christ as the master and savior as i do Uh, we believed in a set of virtues and a set of vices that we all pretty much could could come to grips with we believed that lying was always bad we believed that cheating and stealing was bad murder is bad you know all these things and that that we had certain uh what the uh, declaration of independence would call unalienable rights we no longer believe those things. So now in our society, we're debating even our own foundational documents. Not not even talking about the Bible. We're talking about the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution.
0: I'm going to steal the Declaration of
1: Independence. <laughs> Get me fired up That's a Great movie. Uh, <laughs> Nick Cage just brings brilliance. Okay, that is the another controversial topic right there. We <sighs> next do, next talk, week. <laughs> talk about the greatness or horribleness of Nick Cage, depending Sorry, on the perspective. Sorry. No, I, I but, uh, but as we're looking at, at the fact that our society can't even agree upon the Bill of Rights, right. is it still valid? Does it need to be you know, redone? Um, that tells us something about human nature. And what Paul is saying in Romans one is that human nature is messed up. True. And that. We can't get away from it. So we need a savior. And then the rest of the book of Romans is developing that thought and giving us the hope of life and and a connection with God and a life that is meaningful through a relationship with him in Jesus Christ.
0: I'm going to say something. And I think it's important, I know we're already 10 minutes into this conversation, but I think it's important to start with the idea that, from my own experience, Christianity in this country has, I I want to dare to say, been split in half. Hmm. Maybe in more sections, but very clearly in half. One half being Christians get a bad rap because... we're we're judgy, apparently, and we hate gay people, Mm -hmm. and we hate these people, and we hate those people. The other half have decided to accept everything, and we've touched on all this before, decided to accept everything. I've told you about a a friend that I have that, you know, was so excited that they found a church home that, you know, welcomes Homosexual people and, and whatever. And I'm not saying any church wouldn't welcome a homosexual person. We would. Sure, right. Um, but, you know, teach us that that's okay and, and whatever. And
1: I want every person in an LGBTQ exactly. plus lifestyle exactly. in our community to come to our church and be welcome. But a part that's
0: of it. the thing. A lot of people don't think that. Right. They think that either. Christians are, you know, it's like it's like democracy with Republicans and Democrats. You think that people automatically have to be extreme this way or extreme that way. And if you go up to somebody and you say, oh, yeah, I, I tend to vote Republican. There are so many things that go off in their head Absolutely. that they think you're just you're this bigoted. Right. You know, you're, right.
1: You're, you know, part of the Breitbart movement right. or whatever, you know. And
0: like, if you say, I'm a, I'm a Democrat, you think, oh, liberal this and right. that. And yeah. you're, you know.
1: Socialist and.
0: And I think we've come to, in both religion and and politics, and just like you were talking about, just our our belief system about everything has become so picked apart, and I feel like it used to be this unifying thing, and now it's in so many pieces (coughs) that it's nearly impossible to... Recognize, you know how to how to act or how to to what to say to people, right. and that's extraordinarily overwhelming. You know, I sent I there's a um a little YouTube clip by John Christ that was out like a year or so ago, and actually I sent an article to uh, Ricky and Gabe about the same thing. And last night, and Ricky's
1: it, one of my two. Yes, yeah, that sorry, did not that's right. Gabe has
0: been on the podcast before. <laughs> um, I sent them an article about the same thing on April of last year, of 2017. Mm-hmm. Last night at like 11 o'clock at night, Gabriel sent me a Facebook message, and he goes, "This is funny."
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and I said, "Are you responding to this from a year ago?" Anyway, um, <laughs> it was a video by John Christ, and they were playing the game Guess Who, you know, the kids game. You flip people up and you try to, you know, right. uh, guess who each other's person is by physical factors, I guess. And with the John Chris video was getting at, um, you know, they are saying, is your person uh, a woman? And they're like, oh, what do you mean? Do they identify as well? You know, they right. were just kind of poking fun at the sensitivity, I guess, surrounding right. everything today. And it is very hard, right. you know, as, as not even a religious person, but as a person to connect anymore. Yeah. and
1: it, there's so many rules, unspoken right. rules that it's hard to navigate those waters and figure. And as soon as you figure it out, the rules change. So right. tomorrow it might be different than what it is today. And it's, I remember in the '90s I was uh, working in retail and uh, I was working in the South suburbs of Chicago and uh, at the time, it, the accepted terminology ethnically was to to refer to uh people of color as as african-american no, can't say that and then while we're in that situation and i had a lot of uh african-american uh, customers and, and uh, a couple of employees and depending on who you talk to if you say african-american they could be very offended right. if you say black they could be very offended right. if you you know any of the older terms of course are clearly offensive and then, if you use any of the new politically correct terms, you find somebody who's an older individual who's offended by all of that. You know, and it's like, right. Okay, I don't know how to speak right. and it gets to be really tough. And so, you know, and
0: and then you look—you're the one that looks right. horrible.
1: So, from this, as we're looking at, it, there are so many different topics that we could right, and, in, and we could be here all day stuff. Uh, and and you know, maybe at some point it'd be worth just taking some time away from. Our normal format to go through some some different things and, and kind of interact with it, but you know, you had mentioned, and, and I guess we should probably clarify for any listeners that, that don't already know us that you and I are of two different generations. So um, you're of the same generation as my children. Darn, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> you said it, not so me. So <laughs> old, anyhow. Uh, but but I'm I'm coming from a uh, generation that was. Uh, in the shadow of the '60s, grew up in the sexual revolution. Uh, in in the upheaval of the '70s, uh, went to high school in the '80s, raised children in the '90s. You were born the in best, the, the 80s, best generation, born in the '80s and and growing up in the '90s, and now and uh, the good so,
0: old days. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, if I could turn back time to the good old days. that's '80s. So uh, we <laughs> different song, <laughs> but anyway, as we're as we're looking at this, um, the perspectives are. are Are different in a lot of ways because while you know my generation covered a a whole lot of transition, your generation has kind of been, uh, I guess, the tail whip of it. You know, the as as all of this has shifted, your base of starting out is already farther than what my grandmother could have imagined. Sure, and it's shifted so much more even since you've been an adult. Well, right, and I've I've had
0: conversations with people about that before, like we're all nostalgic for our past sure. everybody and that's you know whatever but some
1: of us are nostalgic for other people <laughs> that's
0: true um i've i've had conversations with people where i'm like when did it change so suddenly right. not to say that you know everything was great the way we spoke in the 90s and 2000s and whatever and looking back i'm like yeah that probably wasn't good i probably shouldn't <laughs> have said things like that um but there's
1: and i definitely shouldn't have worn my hair that way
0: that's yeah. very true I regret that studded belt that I wore, (laughs) but no, I'm not saying that these these shifts are all bad or or not necessary, but a lot of things, like I said a minute ago, have just gone so extreme so fast, and it's like you get whiplash from it.
1: Which makes it very easy for us to forget that God is still in control. Yes. He he knows what he's doing, and none of this is a surprise to him. So when I come across things in Paul's letters... uh, and it sounds exactly like what we're living today, uh, <clears throat> whether it's in Second Timothy we or like a surprise. Thessalonians, you know, in, in either of the Thessalonian letters or Colossians, Ephesians, Galatians. I'm reading Jude's letter the other day. I mentioned it Sunday morning, um, talking about false teachers. And it's like you're looking at the landscape now, right. only you're talking about 2,000 years ago. So as... <clears throat> as the bible is addressing these things he's speaking to them he's not speaking to us he's speaking to them about things that are happening at that time and occasionally talking about things that will happen in the future mm-hmm. but here as he's talking to the roman church they're they're actually looking back to everything that's happened since the garden of eden and now they've come to this this escalation point the, the, where the symptoms of the disease are elevated and how much more so today as we see it, we see these elevated symptoms. And I guess that's one of the things that you know if uh, because I know we're gonna end up running out of time before we really uh, milk this thing, uh, I, I just want to point out for those who are confused by it because I think in our world we have a lot of confusion, particularly <laughs> as well as, as related to all moral issues right a- And in this postmodernist society that we have, we, we have confusion even about the nature of truth, the nature of reality, uh, which is one of the reasons that, uh, I think it's important uh, uh, for us to offer in this podcast, something real for us to offer as a church, uh, a, a way to see and understand real life that, that God has built reality and it is real, whether we accept it or not. I don't have it is to the reality. I, I saw a quote somewhere from, I think it was somebody in uh, the gospel coalition or something. Um, talking about the fact that we don't um, we don't give god authority he is the authority period we don't he doesn't need us to surrender and submit to him to be who he is he already is that and the fact that he allows us to exist in rebellion is in itself Mm grace the fact that we are able to sin is while it is also the cause of our own death the fact that he allows us to take another breath and continue in this. Is grace by itself? Even when we're doing the
0: exact opposite of what He tells us to do, right?
1: We are created for reg. a purpose. And if we're, you know, if you're uh, doing pottery and you're making uh, a vase to hold water, and the vase doesn't hold water, you trash it and start over, right? It, and that's it. That's the end of the vase because it had a purpose. It didn't fulfill the purpose. It's garbage. That's us. God created us for the purpose of a relationship, an intimate relationship with him that glorifies him. And we do everything else. We glorify ourselves. We live for every other purpose under the sun except for why we were created. So the fact that God has allowed us even to take another breath to be able to have another chance is astonishing, overwhelming grace. Mm -hmm. And yet we read in Romans 1 in this passage that is horrifically abused by some and heinously neglected by others as you mentioned the, the the evangelical world in particular has has been largely divided into these camps but we see in in verse 18 Paul's writing The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. And He's talking about the whole human race here. This isn't just, you know, well, there are those people who are doing those things who are suppressing the truth by their wickedness. It's not that. It's that all of us, because of godlessness, suppress truth, and it causes our intellect to be darkened, to borrow from Ephesians 4.18. It darkens our ability to reason because of the fact that we are created for this reality that God designed, and when we live in opposition to or at war with that reality, we're suppressing the truth through our wickedness, our godlessness, choosing to do life our way instead of His way. So when He goes through and lists later on in this in this chapter all of the uh, the shameful desires and sinful things. Um, uh, he's not saying, okay, this is a bigger sin than this. Right. There's you not know, a weight,
0: you know, a weighted system
1: here. Right. There. This is the nature of living life our way. And so, uh, you know, he talks about, although in verse 22, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. We exchanged reality for a cheap imitation. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why we would be surprised at our dissatisfaction with that, and and psychologists and sociologists can show us we can track that we are less happy now than sure. we were a few generations ago. How can the, you not be? The more stuff we have, the more you know, the more rampant um, what we call freedom, sexual freedom, is is really slavery, and it has been, and we've seen that. We've seen that very, very trackable, very traceable through uh from the seventies to now as we've removed what we considered to be shackles of morality, but what we really find they were was guardrails to keep us from wrecking into the canyon. And we've taken that down. And well, oh, we're free until we hit the bottom of the canyon and we find out that wait a minute. I'm not free at all, I'm enslaved by this so we have more people laboring under sexual addiction, pornography addiction, just a lack of discipline in life in general we can't figure out how to get our families right because we've thrown away all of the rules that, that used to You know, oh my gosh how can we be so restrictive in how we do families, how can we be so restrictive in how we do relationships, isn't love love, well no actually it's not, love isn't just love, there are a variety of different kinds of love and we don't we dumb things down right. and try to make it sound intellectual but really all we're doing is battling against reality right. and some of the issues that we're talking about aren't even moral issues they're intelligence issues <laughs> there are there are issues that we deal with today and at the risk of stirring things up i'm going to try to i want to try to keep it as simple as i can uh and maybe we can start up another time uh but there are there are things that that my dog knows better than, and she is completely amoral and rather disgusting, but she knows that certain things are just not real.
0: Right.
1: But we as humans have talked ourselves out of that. We have convinced ourselves that there are there are no rules, and yet we <laughs> that all... That commercial makes its it way everything. It does keep every, coming back, everything. doesn't it? And yet we all have our own rules. Right. So th- there are no rules until you violate my unspoken commands. Right. And now... That I
0: know... Stinking idea about
1: absolutely, and so we want free love, and and we we see this so much, you know. Um, Who came up with this? The hippies. Poly- polyamory is is becoming a thing, which uh, yeah. you know. So the idea is we we don't have these um, uh, these traditional. Uh, There's TV models. shows about it. Yes, there are, and and what we find over and over, even in these TV shows, is that it increases. Unnecessary drama every time, right. and and the more we say it doesn't, the more we find that it actually does. And so we, oh no, we're there's no jealousy in our you know husband and two wives or wife and two husbands, and we don't use those labels anymore, and blah right. blah blah. And there's no jealousy there, but there is. Yeah, and it eventually it comes, comes out. out, and there's
0: this big and we've been ordeal. We've
1: been denying it, we've been hiding right. from it, but the reality is the reality, whether I admit it or not. And so what Paul is. Pointing out here, as much as we want to run away from it, is reality. When God says these things, He's not kidding. So it says in verse twenty-four: Therefore, because we exchanged reality for cheap imitations, God gave us what we chose. Right? We you want that's what
0: we're dealing with right now. Right?
1: You want to do life without me? Okay. Here you go, and, and everything that goes
0: everything with that it. Everything that
1: goes with it. <laughs> Phenomenal cosmic power, itty-bitty itty-bitty itty bitty living space. So um, all these nineties movies. <laughs>
0: You brought up the ninety.
1: I always do. Uh, That's so he says. Therefore, God gave them over in their sin, in the sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Now, this is not speaking of. Uh, LGBTQ plus issues. Right. This is talking about sexual immorality. Period. Right. All of us. It's being... easy to
0: it's easy today to strictly focus on that, but this is a broader, and people do. broader people, spectrum. People,
1: right. This is the whole picture. Uh, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. And that's not just speaking it specifically. He's referring to idols, but by extension. Sorry, I bumped the table there. There's noise that came through. Uh, by extension, we're talking about all of these things that we prioritize over God, that, right. that we treasure, that steals our worship from God. So, to me, when you see the issue of pornography, it's not the, the sexual aspect that makes that uh, as pervasive and as bad as it is, it's that it's a new form of worship. We're worshiping created things right. and created desires as opposed to worshiping the god who created it. And that's them.
0: become a problem with addiction. Huge. Where you Huge. can't let go of it.
1: Right. And and again, these are not new things. Right. These are the same things that we're dealing with new forms perhaps. Right. You you got the same show on a different channel right. is is all we're looking at. And so then we see him start to specifically talk about homosexuality and he and he really does and I know that uh, I'm already probably too long for this podcast. Can I say today. something before Please you get into do, this
0: part? Yeah. I want to make it very clear. Because I have lost friends over over this kind of stuff, yeah. just because of who I profess to be and that I have said that I, you know, follow Jesus. I have lost friends just because of that. Absolutely. I have done awful things in my life, and I I mean those things weigh on my mind a lot. Yeah. There is no circumstance anywhere where I have ever or would ever think that my sin and we talked about this earlier, is somehow lesser than someone who has an alternative sexual lifestyle right. or anything like that. I think that that's something that gets twisted mm-hmm. when it comes to Christianity, and it, it, it irritates me. <laughs> yeah, and, it's inaccurate. And it's, it's, it's I don't know, I, I half the time I don't know how to respond to it right. because I can't with, I, I love you. Right. I love the person you are. I don't like your sin.
1: Yeah. But I don't like my sin either. And truthfully, it's not even a matter of whether I like it or not. Right. That, you know, I, um, I had this yeah, conversation, that was the wrong way to say that. Well, yeah. no, no, I understand what you're saying. But I had this conversation. This was back in the '90s. I with, didn't mean to sidetrack you there. A gay friend of mine, who um, you know, we were talking about. It. I said, "Listen, ultimately, you're not happy with this. I know. This, is, you know, it, however you want to spin it. I'm dealing with you every day, right. and as long as I'm dealing with any part of my life." That is lived my way instead of God's way, whatever that is. And if we it's all do disrespecting my parents right. if it's not paying my taxes. When I have these things and I don't bring that under the lordship, under the governorship of Christ, I'm not going to be happy because reality wasn't designed that way. Right. The only true happiness for us, at a deep soul level, it's not a you know not an Eastern mystical piece of tolerance and, and adjusting my mind. It's a deep soul joy comes from fulfilling our purpose, which is to be in a relationship with God, glorifying Him. So anything that I do outside of that is ultimately going to poison the well. It's ultimately pursuing my own happiness, but, it's,
0: the water, but, but it's
1: undermining the happiness that I'm seeking. So,
0: But it's certainly not my job to, not, you know hate on you.
1: No, but because I love you, right. I'm not going to tell you something is good for you that right. isn't. I'm, I'm not going to dwell on it. It's, you know, if you're living in a particular lifestyle, whatever that lifestyle is, you know, as we're recording, you know, right. and so if, if you're going to be a drunk, I'm still going to love you. Right. But what kind of a friend would I be if I just said, Hey, keep being a drunk, man, that's going to be great for you. That's going to go well. And I let you get in your car and drive home and, and all that kind of stuff that, that doesn't make any sense that's not that's a perfect not love.
0: example that's a perfect and, and example. and so
1: we do that with so many areas but now because this or another issue becomes a hot button uh, right. a topic something that is um, you know it's politically charged and all these other things that it's the the it's the hot take of the of the moment now we change how we approach it we can't truth is truth and if I love you, I have to tell you the truth. If I don't love you, is when I'm going to tell you that something is good for you that isn't good for you. Get
0: in the car and drive when you're, you know, inebriated. And, and, and to be
1: sure, people have used this passage in Leviticus 18 and others as if it were a club to to beat somebody over the head and say, right. you know, be be different. Don't be you and be you know. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is choosing to surrender my life to God to live His way, not my way, and all of the the predilections that we have to various different types of sin. I may not be tempted with sin A, but I may dr- be dramatically tempted with sin A. And sin one's B, not worse than another. They're, they're all sins. And they're all tools that the devil is using to bring us away from it. Paul's focus here is not the symptom, it's the disease. The disease of sin, of living independently of God's authority. But he does point out that there are symptoms that appear from the, from the very uh, nature of how he's saying it to be an elevation of that and when a society embraces uh, homosexual lifestyle I'm not even referring to individuals, but as a society, because that seems to be the context he's talking about here, where we not only do these things, but we approve these things. That's more than just an individual. We're talking about at large. And when a group, when a society, when a church begins to embrace things that are dishonoring to God, then we we begin to move in a direction that is no longer just a natural progression uh, but sin continues to take us farther to a mutated, distorted, unnatural aggression, uh, progression. Um, aggression, too, that comes up as well. And, and he gets to that. But anyway, so we, we were at a certain yeah, point reading this. Um, and in verse 24 it says that, um, nope, verse 26 is where I wanted to be. Because of this, because we've uh, exchanged the truth of God for a lie, God gave them over to shameful lusts. And he gets very clear in these elevated symptoms, not that they are a greater sin, but that they are a higher level symptom of the disease in a in a society. Even their women exchanged unnatural relations unnatural uh, relations for unnatural ones in the same way the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion and these when he says perversion, uh, we we need to make sure that we're clear on, on the vocabulary here. He, he's not saying, "Oh, you sick perverts." Right. Uh, yes and no. What he's actually saying is the perversion, the corruption, the twisting of what was true and real right. into something that is not uh, in any way what we're looking at. Uh, that distortion of the picture it, it is just it. It it's not the cause; it's the effect it's the continuation of it and it seems clear that as you're reading this everything even about his tone is referring not to what's going on in the romans because he's speaking all this in the past tense but he's speaking back to what what has happened in the past i would i would conclude from this that he's referring all the way back to genesis mm-hmm. that as we came out of the fall and we see almost immediately sin just starts to skyrocket by the time we get to genesis chapter 6 it's all sin all the time every inclination of man's heart is wicked we've gone away from god and we're doing exactly the opposite of anything that god wants and as he says a little later in this chapter we're inventing ways to do evil we're coming up with new things in genesis all the way through now and you can see that through the history of mankind uh that that we create new methods of torture new ways of abusing people new ways of cheating and taking advantage of people new forms of adultery and fornication that previous generations probably hadn't thought of as soon as a new technology comes out we come up with a way to turn that into something evil even if it was something good to start with the internet's a wonderful thing and yet is there has there ever been anything that promoted perversity as much as the internet as quickly you know it's it's huge and so you know, Satan takes all these things and twists them. So when Paul talks here of natural versus unnatural, he's talking really about those things that are created in us by God's design, but we're using them in the wrong context. Right. Those are natural things. They're just as sinful. But then once we get to that and that becomes accepted in our society, which we have now, people, you know, living together outside of marriage, there there isn't a covenant relationship, and God has called us to that. So there's a context of covenant because all of this is a picture of his relationship with us. So we've distorted that picture in a natural way, but in a, in a wrong application of it. Mm-hmm. But then that's not enough. So the, the disease continues to progress and make us hungry until we begin to promote things like homosexuality, which we've now promoted as a good, normal thing that we are created and born this way. Whether we were born this way does not mean that that does not necessarily mean that we we're created this way but that's another conversation um, that...
0: And take it up with Lady Gaga
1: <laughs> but we're all born with the sin nature so sure. that's really so, an irrelevant argument. To it's be correct in a way. Sure <laughs> um, but our society has progressed right. to a place where we are looking for more and more ways to sin which is what he talks about right below it. So after he talks about this uh, homosexual activity and, and the perversion that comes he goes back into a big picture of all of these sins and it's an interesting list because some of this is headline stuff that we all would look at and say oh yeah it's terrible then other things are like how'd that get in there that, that seems like small potatoes compared to it so he says, uh, verse 28, Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over uh, to a depraved mind, if you have a, an older translation like the King James would say, a reprobate mind, um, to do what ought not to be done. So he's given us over to our minds so that now the rather than the Holy Spirit saying, okay, I'm going to stop you from this, if you want it, you got it, go ahead, and and you get everything that comes with it. And as you do... Now you're going to be doing the things that shouldn't be done, and the things that shouldn't be done are really their own punishment. He continues, They've become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife. These all seem like bad things, right? Envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They're gossips, slanderers. Right in the middle of murder and envy, it's like the same thing. God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. So it's like he's, you know, if we're going to compare the sin of homosexuality to to whatever else, it compares as an equivalent here to murder, to disobeying parents. All of these things go together. The sin is the sin because we're doing it apart from God. Right. So let's not try to elevate and say, oh, you know, those homosexuals are terrible people. Right. They're people like right. everybody else and all well, your of sin us is not greater are, than my sin. that's right all of us are stained by sin and all of us are progressing toward that the longer we allow ourselves to exchange the truth of god for a lie the longer we allow ourselves to live independently of god's authority then we will continue to be at war with reality until what what is normal seems abnormal What is abnormal seems normal. What is good seems bad, and what is bad seems good. And we see this stuff over and over and over again. And, you know, we were talking before about, you know, just the PC things that go on in life. The more we get concerned about being sensitive to things, the more foul we become. It's like we do exactly the opposite. We want to be less offensive, and we end up being more offensive in the process. I have never seen such vileness I've never seen such racial insensitivity on television as on on, commercials today. I've never seen such foul language as in commercials today. In a time when we're supposed to be all up in arms because our president uses coarse language, that makes him like all of the voters because we're all like this. We're uh, up in arms over over, uh, racial division. I am too. It's one of my passions. I cannot stand the fact that while we're talking about it, we're creating more with very undisciplined thought in our entertainment. All of these things go together, and we continue to invent ways of doing evil. Uh, Gossips, adulterers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventing ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They're senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless, Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these things, and and, and he's this not only but is all obviously showing this is a great, this is not a specific contrast, this is an elevation. It's bad, and yet here's worse. Not only doing these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. And I think that's where the, the real battleground is for us today is whether we, who are charged with uh, carrying forth the truth of god's word will uh, will continue to uh, hold god 's word up as the light, trusting God with our whole hearts, or whether we will lean on our own understanding and say maybe god's word isn't really trustworthy
0: that 's a battle for everybody I
1: think that's the the key to the whole thing
0: Well, I know we focused a lot on you know one or two particular areas of this and there's a there's <laughs> much more to cover on this topic alone so we might do that another time (laughs) but uh And if anybody
1: it's, really, you know, if you want yeah. to engage with us, you want to tell me what a terrible person I am, or you want to have actual we conversations. Leave uh, us a we message. We would love that yeah. something real at yeah. uh, reallifeonline.org. Yeah. Dot, uh, dot org, I or you can leave that, us
0: a voicemail message on, um, on the
1: Anchor app. There's a lot that, right? of stuff
0: to to still unpack here, and there always will be. Absolutely.
1: and, so. and you know, venturing into these things um, is a little nerve wracking in is. our in our day. Um, which is
0: part of the problem
1: (laughs) well it is and and so we need to be able to have honest open dialogues and um, without question our perspective on this podcast and at our church uh, at Real Life um, our perspective is that God's word is the authority it's the infallible uh, unerring word of God and we hold to that without any question but we apply it in our daily life, in in this real world that we live in. So it's not theoretical. It's not some ivory tower concept. God wrote this book through all of these different authors and all these different settings without hiding anything, without uh, making people look better than they are, so that we could live in this world for him.
0: We'll end it there. Thanks for listening, guys.